Good afternoon. Welcome into the BetUS MBA show. We have our expert MBA handicappers, Josh T and Chris Farley with us today. I'm your host, Kate Constable. It's playoff time, or I should say probably play in time. We have two great games that we're going to talk about today. But first, gentlemen, how are we feeling regular season over? Somewhat of a fresh slate to start this postseason, Chris. Happy. Uh, relieved. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a long season and, um, when you're an NBA, NBA handicapper and you're looking for value every single day, just the grind doesn't stop. And it's obviously not going to stop now, but at least there's some, hopefully there's some intangibles that we don't have to worry about anymore, like motivation and some of these teams playing their full out effort every game. So, uh, I am welcoming the NBA playoffs. I, I kind of needed that transition. So here we are. Thank God. And Josh, you count your regular season record and then a separate postseason record as well, correct? Or do you co also then combine the two for an overall? A uh, bit of both. I like to split it up uh, just for my own record keeping sake and also for you know future reference points as well to say how I tracked individually in both, given that, in my opinion anyway, they're two completely different handicaps. So it's a good way, I guess, to measure how your approach works in both different situations. So yeah. Wiping the slate clean to an extent, but also obviously carrying over for a full NBA season. Mixed feelings. Uh, you know, it's always exciting when playoffs come around and part of you is exhausted from the regular season. But then the other part means that, you know, if the regular season's over, it means the full season's almost over. So a little bit sad in that regard. Um, but hey, there's still plenty of work to do, plenty of games to get through as well. And, and the good stuff is certainly still ahead of us, which is exciting. Yeah, still about two, two and a half months left of NBA basketball, so plenty to talk about. Uh, not many games to recap, though, because no games were played yesterday. Everyone had a nice day off. Um, and so we'll just kind of jump right into these two playing games that we have today, and we'll start, as we always do, checking out our overall record. Now, this overall record is going to continue on throughout the playoffs, but I think, uh, guys, we should keep our own separate playoff record between the four of us and, you know, add that for a little friendly competition. What do you say? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Someone screenshot it. Okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> yeah. I like it. All right, we'll jump right into the Cavs and the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn tonight. Winner of this series will go on to play the Boston Celtics in round one, and the loser will face the winner of the Hornets and Hawks for the eight seed. That game between Charlotte and Atlanta will be played tomorrow. But tonight, Brooklyn's playing nine and a half at home. Total is 227. Chris, what do you like in this game? Yep. So the pressure is on. The playing tournament is here. And uh, I'm going to take a stab at the first quarter in favor of Brooklyn in this one. Um, lean towards the under, too, but that line has come down. And I, I agree with that movement. I think it was a little too high to start off. Uh, but as you can tell, too, right, just something to note, playoff lines don't typically move as much as regular season lines. They're a lot sharper. Uh, and that's what makes this so difficult. <laughs> so, uh, but this is, I mean, all, all these games are very interesting, but two teams that are approaching this and probably feeling a lot differently, right? I mean, if we take a step back and look at kind of the human element of it, the C Cleveland Cavaliers start off, had a great start to their season, a great first half of their season, really. Uh, now they're on the road, heading to Brooklyn against two of the best players in the world, a team that a lot of people think is still a title contender, you know, obviously at Brooklyn, at the Barclays Center, it's going to be a raucous crowd there. And these are a bunch of young players, right? Except for Kevin Love, uh, you don't have a lot of experience here in the playoffs in these high-tension situations. So that's part of my angle in the first quarter. 
You know, we saw the Nets do that to the Cavs a few days ago or last week when they faced them. They just obliterated them in the first quarter. Uh, we saw that from Brooklyn on Sunday as well, started off that first half really strong. And I think that's a really good method for Brooklyn too, right? If they can overwhelm the Cavaliers, which I think they certainly could right from the jump and just kind of comfortably stay ahead with that explosive offense that they're capable of having, uh, then they're putting themselves in, in a really good spot. Uh, nine and a half where this line is now, it's a little too high for me. You know, I, I have this game handicapped at seven and a half overall. You can see the Cavs kind of sneaking in the back door at the end. You know, Brooklyn has kind of slowed down in some of these games at the end too. And I really don't think this game is going to feel as momentous to them. I mean, obviously uh, it's a playing game. They need to win, but I think they expect to win, right? Whereas, uh, so, I mean, I guess in a sense, you could say there's more pressure on Brooklyn, but at the same time, when these young players are playing, in their first ever playing tournament, first ever playoff game, it's it's a really tough one. I mean, the only advantage that I have for the Cavs in this is that interior defense has been pretty good this year. Obviously, Jared Allen is still out, though, so that takes a hit. I have almost every advantage for the Nets tonight. The best players on the court, perimeter shooting, offense, mid-range, forget it. I mean, experience, poise. Uh, this should be a game that Brooklyn wins. Again, I think the line is a little too big. And I think the Cavs, the only chance that they have is slowing this game down, playing a methodical type of basketball where they can take uh, the Nets off of their rhythm. But that's going to be really, really tough to do. So, uh, and, and, you know, for what it's worth, even though the Nets haven't played great defense, they're starting to look better to end the season. I like the physicality from Andre Drummond and some things I saw from them on defense to end the season. So Brooklyn is setting themselves up well. They have some good momentum here. This one could get ugly pretty early. I hope it's a better game than advertised. Yeah, Brooklyn coming into this one definitely with more veteran experience. They've also won their last four. So maybe things are starting to gel a little bit in terms of uh, all the personnel changes that they've had in Brooklyn. Cavs, they, they weren't supposed to be in this position. So alluding to your comment, Chris, on, you know, younger players not quite knowing how to play in playoff basketball games. I mean, their win total this season was 26 and a half wins. They weren't expected to be as good as they were. They finished with 44. But to be in a play-in tournament, I mean, the pressure is definitely on for them and just the whole fan base that's behind them at this point. Josh, any thoughts on your end, either on the side or, or this total that's come down three uh, points from 230 to 227? Yeah, firstly, agree with the total movement for sure. I was about five points under the opener, still a couple points under where it currently is. So not a real big edge at the moment. Um can see a couple of different game scripts applying here and basically all of them still point to an unders i think in the end so that's the only way i'd look at playing the total even if you have missed the best of it i still think it's the right side to be playing the line in my opinion is just absolutely razor sharp i mean you look at every single matchup this season between these teams and every single game has basically finished on that line or within a possession of that line so it basically shows us that the bookmakers have a really strong understanding and rating of both of these teams, which I guess isn't surprising either. Uh, however, in an environment like this, in a situation like this, I think the only way you could probably take it is Brooklyn to, to go out and just basically pull on an absolute clinic and blow this Cavaliers team essentially out of the water, I think, uh, down the stretch of the game. I don't know how much fight the Cavs will have, say, in the fourth quarter if they're already down 15, 16 points. It's not, you know, it's not a regular season. It's a deflating feeling knowing that it's basically the end of the road and there's, you know, no coming back from it. So, you know, there, there's every chance, I think, that if 
Brooklyn do play from in front, the longer the game goes on, the bigger that lead gets, the bigger it continues to grow until uh, that final buzzer at the end. So I lean Brooklyn. Uh, I would love Cleveland to win this outright. would love it. Uh, you know, if we could get a Boston-Cleveland first-round matchup, I'd be a very happy man and a lot less to stress about, I can tell you that much. But um, I, I just I don't see a world where it happens. I think, yeah, I think Brooklyn basically comes in and does essentially what they want offensively, and the Cavs simply just don't have the answers right now to keep up with them. Yeah, that would be very nice for you and any Boston Celtics fans out of there to get the Cavs in the first round. That's almost unfair. A little almost, bit, yeah. Almost as bad as the Bulls in the first round. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to be a cakewalk for the yeah. Bucks. Yikes. All right, well, uh, Chris is playing the Nets first quarter, hoping for a fast start from Brooklyn tonight, minus three. Clippers and Wolves is the other game tonight, the 7-8 game out of the West. Wolves are the seventh seed, hosting the eight seed Clippers. And Minnesota is laying three, totals 230.5. The winner of this game will move on to play the Grizzlies, and the loser will play the winner of the Pelicans and Spurs game. Josh, we'll start with you in this game because uh, you like the Wolves here. Tell me about it. Yeah, pretty strongly opinionated towards the Wolves here, which will be fun. But look, I, and I'm I'm a Clippers believer to an extent. I'm a big Ty Lue fan, especially come playoff basketball. I'm a big Paul George fan, probably more so than most, I'd imagine, in terms of how highly I rate him at both ends of the floor. Uh, but ultimately, I still think they're being shown way too much respect in a position like this. And whether it's they're being shown too much respect or Minnesota isn't being shown enough, potentially a little bit of both. But, you know, the Timberwolves at home have been pretty consistent all season. I think they come out strong and aggressive here in front of their fans. If they do just that and their offense gets flowing early and they're able to play as front runners, which is what they do best, I'm not sure the Clippers will be able to turn it around in, in, you know, in a one-off game situation. You know, if this was a full series, then I'd be all over the Clippers in some way, shape, or form. But in a one-off game, Minnesota at home, I think there's too many advantages for that offense to take advantage of uh, in the short term. And like I said, if the Clippers do find themselves playing from behind in this situation, we know that offensively they can be absolute rocks and diamonds. They rely on that three ball intensely. So does Minnesota, I guess, to an extent. So it could just come down to who gets the better variance from from that point of view. But, you know, LA's, clip, uh, LA's offense from behind, like I said, is just so reliant on that three ball getting going. I'd like to think that Minnesota will at least scheme for that to some extent and shut that down. And if they do so, then I find it hard to see how the Clippers can stay in a contest where Minnesota should still be able to score pretty free willingly, even against a pretty solid and impressive Clippers defense, where I just think that there's enough mismatches for Minnesota to take advantage of there. I mean, the Clippers' hot streak, a lot has been made of it, and a lot of people pointing to that and how they turn the corner. I, I, look, I agree with it again to an extent. I think it's still a little bit, I don't want to call it fraudulent, but a little bit overblown just when you look at the teams that they've beaten. They beat up on the Thunder. They beat up on the Kings. They, they beat a Suns team that literally rested everyone. Uh, you know, they had that big comeback against Utah, which basically every team in the league has come back against Utah in the second half of games. You look at the games where they played on the road and, you know, aside from that win against Milwaukee, where, again, the Bucks quite literally sat everyone in that situation, you know, they lost at Utah, uh, they lost at Chicago. So you go back a little bit further as well. They lost at Denver. Those last three road games, none of them particularly look good. And you look at each one of those games individually and it was the same thing. It was a slow start out of the gates. They had to try and play catch up. They just simply weren't able to get consistency from deep. 
And if that's the case again tonight, I think the Timberwolves shouldn't have too much trouble here um, getting the job done. So for me, Minnesota first quarter, I love them to come out aggressively and play from in front. I think there's a correlation ultimately between if you like Minnesota to, to cover full game or first half, you probably want to take first quarter because, like I said, this team has to essentially play as a front runner. I don't trust them playing from behind. If the Clippers are up, you know, six to eight points at halftime, I really don't like Minnesota's chances at all. So hopefully they do come out aggressive. They cover that first quarter line of minus one, and then I will ride them all the way to the finish line on a minus three here. six, eight points at halftime, because apparently that's not good for the Timberwolves. And Chris, that's pretty good for the Clippers and your bet tonight. Yeah, well, I got to say, if you're going to attack the Timberwolves tonight, I, I do agree with Josh. I think um, one of the best ways to do that is right from the start of the game. I mean, the Timberwolves have exploded in the first quarter and the first half for most of the season, uh, whereas the Clippers have been pretty slow starters, right? We've, we've seen them come back in a lot of second half games. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's an angle too. this game live. You know, Clippers way down. Uh, maybe they can fight their way back into this one. Listen, I, I think the Timberwolves are going to make the playoffs. I just don't think it's going to be tonight. I think I think the Clippers um, are going to win this game straight up. And I I am more of a believer, um, evidently, in the in, in the Clippers than Josh is. Um, yes, they, they finished the season with a lot of momentum, right? That's a thing. Um, should have been seven games in a row if it wasn't for that OT game against the Bulls. But five games in a row... Uh, you know, it, it does a good things. It does a lot of good things for a team psychologically when that happens, right? They're gaining confidence. They're gaining chemistry. Uh, Paul George back in the rotation. Uh, whereas Minnesota, not that they stumbled into the postseason, but they weren't always that sharp. Um, obviously, battling some injuries at the end there too. Uh, but I actually I give the Clippers a lot of advantages in this matchup. We talk about the three point shooting. I agree with Josh. It's going to come down to who's more effective from there. And few teams have been as effective as the Timberwolves this year from beyond the arc. But the Clippers have a better three-point percentage. Uh, and they have, I would argue, much better wing defense, right? They have some of the best wing defenders in the NBA. They can th keep on throwing them at you one after the other. Um, it, you know, in this big game field, this big pressurized situation for the Timberwolves, even though it's at home, you know, they haven't been to the playoffs since 2018. You know, this... This is a team with a lot of young players again, a lot of inexperience again. And you have a team like the Clippers with players like Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell and Paul George. Uh, a lot of these guys who, who have been there before, they've been deeply into the playoffs before. Uh, I don't think they're going to feel the nerves as much as the Timberwolves might. Uh, so I give them an experience edge. I give a slight edge in coaching to the Clippers too. I love Ty Lue. They're a very smart team. I think they're going to show some things that they probably didn't even show in the regular season. Um, you know, the Minnesota, if they get ahead quick in this one, they certainly have a chance. I mean, of course they have a chance to win this game. I think this line is sharp, but if you're giving me three points with the Clippers, uh, I, I have to take it, uh, because of what I seen, you know, also another part of that is Carl Anthony Towns. If, if he can take over this game down low, and if he can be really effective from the paint, uh, and they can bounce that ball out to the three-pointer, you know, that's going to be huge for the Timberwolves in this one. And they should have an advantage in the front court. Just not convinced that that's going to happen here. I think the Clippers are a little more buttoned up than people are giving them credit for. Uh, I actually have this game as even or minus one in favor of Minnesota because they're at home. So I have to take the points with the Clippers. 
Shut down and mute myself. Josh, I'm sorry, but it's uh, two against one. Favor of the Clippers tonight. I'm also taking the Clippers with the points. I mean, LA, they've been playing really well. Effective field goal rate is ranked third right now, which means they're knocking down shots, and that means less transition opportunities for Minnesota. And if you get Minnesota out of their transition game and make them play in the half court, that's where they really struggle. So if the Clippers are able to effectively score on offense and get back and have their defense set, then Minnesota relies heavily on just spot-up shooting, and I think the Clippers have the players to defend that. Uh, talk about the three-point line and, and how that's going to come into play the night, tonight. The Wolves uh, allow the seventh-highest three-point uh, attempts per game. And yes, Luke Kennard is out tonight, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily someone who's going to move the needle too much. A very good three-point shooter. But you got Paul George, you got Reggie Jackson, who's shooting about 45% against the Wolves from three this year. So I am... Um, banking on them knocking down some shots from deep and limiting Minnesota's transition play, which is what their offense relies very heavily on. So I'm going to take the Clippers as well. Um, it's going to be a battle tonight. Kate and Chris versus Josh. <laughs> you know, that that's a really good stat about Reggie Jackson too, Kate, because I, I mean, I wasn't aware of that. And Reggie Jackson has really struggled mm -hmm. um, this year, three point shooting. He, he should probably just stop shooting altogether. And the Clippers, you know, the percentages would go way up. But to know that he's shooting that well against the Timberwolves, that's that's interesting. So his three-point prop, if you um, want to take it, is at plus 135, 134, or over two and a half threes. And he's hit at least three in uh, three of the four games. So something to keep an eye on there. It's, since it's two against one, I feel like Josh might have a rebuttal. Josh, you got yeah, I, go, I just go want to give you the floor, Josh. Um, look, I, I don't disagree with basically what both of you are saying in terms of, firstly, the importance, I think, of a team like the Clippers finding momentum going into the playoffs, and then secondly, around the fact that the Timberwolves defensively, especially when it comes to their perimeter defense, can be a little bit frail at times. Um, but again, for me, it's just largely about a one-game scenario. If this was a series bet in any way, shape, or form, I would be all over the Clippers. I just don't know how much they can show and adjust in-game in a specific matchup like this where the Timberwolves, like we already know, offensively are going to come out pretty aggressive, pushing the tempo, and hopefully slash potentially play as frontrunners in this game, in which case, again, it changes the game script entirely. And if they do play as frontrunners and the Clippers do become too dependent on that three-ball uh, which we have seen at times uh, a lot for them than this season, then I think it becomes a little bit difficult for them to have to keep pace in this environment. So, again, it, it's largely just based around the fact that I think that the Clippers' win streak is being a little bit overblown based on the quality of opposition that they've had and the fact that all of those wins basically came at home. You look at their road splits and they haven't been impressive. So I need to still go off of what we have seen from LA on the road and again, in an environment like this, I think everything for me screams Timberwolves playing from in front, in which case that's a very large part of why I think that they can get the job done here. Argument in terms of favoring the Wolves. Their head coach, Chris French, just signed a new four-year contract. The players really wanted him back. That's exciting news for them. Uh, and their first opportunity to go to the postseason Yes, they, they went to the playoffs in 2018, but prior to that, it was, what, 2004? So this is a very big deal to be hosting this game for Minnesota and their fan base. So, I mean, geez, am I talking myself out of the Clippers here? That's not good. <laughs> no, I still like the Clippers, but you have a very good case for the Timberwolves as well. I mean, 
this game could ultimately go either way, as any of these games could. Well, and yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, Josh, I don't think it would be a bad hedge either. Take the Timberwolves early, take the Clippers late, you know, and you can do that live too. Um, I mean, if the Timberwolves come out on fire, that is going to be tough for the Clippers to hang with them, especially for the first half. Maybe they make some adjustments at the second half, but uh, that's not a bad hedge if, you know, if anybody wants to approach it that way. I think as well, just quickly, if you want alternatives in terms of how to attack this game, and if you like the Clippers, I'd be looking at maybe sprinkling something on an old spread for them, maybe a minus three for the Clippers, even up to like a minus five and a half for the Clippers. That's some really good plus money because essentially, you know, if they're in and around that number, they're going to win outright. And I think that there's a very realistic chance that if they're ahead in the fourth quarter, they could blow Minnesota out the ballpark in sort of the final four or five minutes of this game if Minnesota is sort of giving up essentially and already turning their attention to to the next game and and trying to get in via you know that nine ten winner scenario so yeah I think the Clippers old line may be a really good line to attack it as well if you do lean LA all right well Josh and I Josh and I Chris and I both leaning LA taking Clippers plus three and Josh is playing the Wolves uh, minus one in the first quarter and the game minus three YouTube, um, a few glitches today, so we're not live. This is being recorded, so we don't have any Q&A for you guys today. So we will just, uh, unless either of you have any questions. Any uh, Chris, give us a, Chris, give us a player prop for today. Yeah, People who might be watching later. Me instead of you? I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I actually gave this out to my customers, so why not? I think, I think uh, Zubak, am I saying Zubak? Am I saying that right? Zubak. 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 Think, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's one you don't know, Kate. Zubak. I, yeah, it's Zubak. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, points, points, assists, rebounds over 19 and a half. I think that's a pretty humble line for him. And he's pretty active in games like this. He's, he's you know, yeah. he, he takes big challenges like this with Carl Anthony Town. Uh, you know, he steps up in these cases. He can, he can play very aggressive. So I think I think he's going to play a, a more of a key role than people realize, especially in the rebounding. You cannot give Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota offense second chance opportunities. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like him to ascend over 19 and a half. Again, that's that's a pretty low line for a dude that should be, should play plenty of minutes tonight. All right, I like it. I'm taking my Reggie Jackson over two and a half threes tonight. Josh, what do you got? I'm going to go Pat Bev against the Clippers in the playoffs. I think uh, I actually think it's a good matchup for him as well as the fact that, you know, he's someone who plays with a chip on his shoulder every night. He probably doesn't need any extra motivation. It might actually be dangerous for him if he carries extra motivation <laughs> and in situations like this where things might boil over for him. But look, if he can keep his composure, like I said, I think the matchup for him is actually really good. And I think that the opportunity for him to score in a game where a lot of the focus is going to be on Carl Anthony Towns, is going to be on D'Angelo Russell, is going to be on, you know, um, basically anyone and everyone else. Anthony Edwards, I think, is probably going to attract the attention of Paul George most likely. So, you know, there's going to be a point of attack for him to be aggressive and get to the basket. And obviously, he spaces the floor really well. I think he's probably one of the most underrated three-point shooters in the league, to be honest. You look at his catch-and-shoot splits for the last three seasons now, and they've all been well above average in that top tier. So, again... I think that's the way to do it. I think Pat Bev points. I think Pat Bev over his three-point props potentially as well. But points, I think, the better one for me. All right. Three props, uh, two from the Clippers, one from the Wolves. This will be interesting, Pat Bev versus uh, old team. Yikes, I'm a little nervous for that. 
All right, let's take a As long as he doesn't get himself, like, ejected somehow in the first half. Right. Well, maybe that would be good if he did get himself ejected. I mean, Chris and I might enjoy that because... It's very possible. Very possible. Although he was sitting at the sidelines of a Clippers game, like, last month, you know, cheering them on. So I... I don't know whether <laughs> when he crosses the line though, and when it when it becomes yeah. game time, he has this weird switch that he's able to flick. Oh, for sure, for sure. Very few players, I think, have. Yes. Okay, let's take a look at our best bets. Only two games today, so not too many picks. But Chris is the only one with a play on the Nets Cavs game, and then Chris and I both taking the points with the Clippers, and Josh laying the points first quarter and full game with the Timberwolves. Well, guys, we're in the postseason. Although, do we consider this is a question I heard earlier today on the radio? Is the play-in considered the postseason, or is this still regular season? That's a really good question because I remember it came up last year, obviously around a Boston scenario where Jason Tatum went off against Washington, and it was like, well, does that count towards his regular season record or his postseason record? And Turns out it counts towards his playing record, which is a standalone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's officially just a forever thing now, where this like playing one game, potentially two game scenario is its own record keeping, but it's strange entirely. I, I think you have to, I think you have to call it regular season. To be honest, you cannot have a nine and ten seed team and consider it playoff basketball. Yeah. Right. The record, the wins losses. I mean don't count for the regular season or the postseason either. They count towards the... That's so yeah. weird. Yeah, huh. it's such a strange situation. Well, and, go ahead, Chris. Uh, I'm sorry. And just for those who are maybe unaware of the playoff rules too, uh, the teams that lose tonight are not out of the playoffs yet, right? They, they're they going to get a second chance yeah. to face the winner of the games tomorrow. So just a clarification there. I know that uh, this isn't exactly lose or go home, uh, win or go home. This isn't quite that yet. Yes, double elimination for these two or these four teams tonight. Single elimination for the four teams that play tomorrow. Because nine, ten will play tomorrow for both East and West. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just confusing myself. All right, that's all we have for you. We will be back tomorrow to uh, recap or recap these games, preview those other two playing games, and we will see you uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Have a good night. <laughs>